Thank you for joining us for another episode of Baker Hosts Ad Nauseam, a podcast series focusing on new and trending advertising issues with an emphasis on the FTC and the NAD. I'm Leah Brave and you're listening to Baker Hosts. We are once again joined by Amy Mudge and Daniel Kaufman, two partners from Baker House Stetler's advertising, marketing, and digital media team. Together, they have decades of advertising experience and approach advertising issues from multiple perspectives. Today, we have a special guest, Jack Berry, an associate on Amy and Daniel's team. On today's episode of Ad Nauseam, Amy, Daniel, and Jack talk about issues surrounding what are now being called junk fees, including the FTC rulemaking on the subject, as well as activity around the country. With that, welcome to Ad Nauseam, and let's turn it over to Amy, Daniel, and Jack. Thank you so much for joining us here at Ad Nauseam. Really glad to have you here today. And we have a great topic today, junk fees. But Amy, first, I want to talk to you about a different podcast. A different, not Ad Nauseam? Yeah, forget about Ad Nauseam for a minute. Okay. So the New York Times has this great podcast on their modern love stories. And really good friend of mine was just featured in one of their podcasts discussing how she met her husband. And I'm mentioning it because A, she does a great job, but B, I am mentioned in the podcast because thanks to me, she met her future husband. So it's a great podcast, really good story, worth checking out. Daniel, you are indeed an excellent Yenta. I can vouch for that. You have love in your heart and are always looking out for your friends. And (laughs) first of all, any New York Times anything is of course it's bragging rights. So we will get back to ad nauseum because I'm not really sure what the modern love has to do with junk fees, which is our topic du jour. Pretty much nothing, but it's kind of cool. But so let's talk a little bit about junk fees at the outset. And certainly when you think junk fees, you know, the public has been very concerned, particularly about hotel resort fees and concert ticket fees. Those are probably the fees that have generated the most sort of public and legislative outrage. Well, they used to be called drip pricing. Now we've moved over into junk pricing, which, okay. Yes. It's never good when you are renamed something in a really negative way. But Amy, I want to talk about concerts because it is relevant to the issue of junk fees. What was your first concert? What was your most recent concert? Well, first of all, concerts are relevant to anything in life. So I'm very glad you've asked me this. And I'm a big user of the ticket services and the aftermarket ticket services. But in the old days, I used to stand in line to get tickets. And my first concert was Hall & Oates. And my most recent concert was just this week, we got to see Depeche Mode. And if somebody wants to see an amazing front man who is over the age of 60, I highly encourage that tour. That is pretty awesome. And I forgot to mention, we have a special guest here today. We have our- What? We have a guest? We have a guest. Who do we have? Wonderful Jack Ferry, our associate in the DC office, has to join us. Jack is back. Yes. Yes. Hey, me and Daniel. Thanks for having me back. Well, but now we got to ask the question, Jack. First concert, most recent concert, and I'm afraid of your answers. Yeah, I previewed this for you guys a little bit. You know, mine was, I think, middle school, and it was a church youth group kind of to a big all-day event of, uh, you know, the top Christian musicians out there. So that was my first concert. And then the most recent one, I think, was a very DC affair. It was at the 930 Club, and it was White Ford Bronco, which is popular 90s cover band in the area. I love the dropping of the anthem, Jack, because we know we do. You and I both love our local DC concert venues. I don't go to as many shows as Amy does, though. You know, she sets the bar in that area. Well, you know, I don't let you out enough, but no, kidding, (laughs) kidding. All right, Daniel, what about you? 
I got you both beat. I'm sorry. My most recent concert, a few weeks ago, I did get to see the B-52s live, who I've always wanted to see. You've never uh, seen them before? I had never seen them before, oh, and wow. seeing the live version of Rock Lobster is just amazing. But my first concert, June of 1977, my oldest brother took me to Tarrytown, New York, to see the Captain and Tennille. <laughs> so <laughs> I was just a youngin then. It was my first concert, and it was wonderful. I think that's the third group that I don't recognize the name of that we've named now in this, uh, this <laughs> oh, bit. Jack, I keep telling you, you're not going to be employed here much longer if you don't learn these important 70s and 80s bands. <laughs> Daniel, I refuse to name the year of my first concert. I will simply add that it was decidedly unchristian. That was also the first time I saw a bong. At that point in time, apparently you could get into concert venues and actually use. I will last, though, when we were at Depeche Mode and everybody was waving their phones during the encore, we did pause and say, remember when we used to light our lighters at concerts? And that's actually how we express our joy. But anyway, all right, Daniel, even though love may keep us together, I love you tying in the two themes. And, you know, muskrat love will always be a thing. It's really about junk feeds. Junk feeds we're going to focus on today. So at the outset, you know, I really am struck by this salacious term junk fees and how important technology can be at a, at a high level. But of course, things aren't always that simple. So set the table for us. What's going on at the FTC with this FTC junk fees rulemaking? Why isn't it drip pricing rulemaking? And why is it such a BFD? So I think it's a junk fees rulemaking because it really helps when you're sort of doing these things to call things by name that people are going to oppose. Like who could be against the imposition of junk uh-huh. fees? But let me start with the good news. I look, I, words matter. And I think we see that in this context and the word junk fees has entered into the public consciousness. The good news about this rulemaking, there were signals, very strong signals that the FTC was going to start to look into the actual value of the kind of fees that were being imposed. Were they good? Were they worth it? The good news is they did not do that. And that would have been, I think, even more problematic. But you know, let's have Jack maybe give us the summary of what is in uh, the rule, because he was the first in this office to read all uh, about a thousand pages of the rule. Yeah, a thousand uh, might be a little, little bit Oh, go ahead. Amy. Jack, I got a cross market. I got a cross market here. He actually also wrote a completely fabulous blog that everybody needs to check out on our adtourneysatlaw.com blog that really does lay out the basics if you are a visual learner, not an oral learner like I am. Jack, take it away. And as another little tease, there's another music reference in the title of that blog. So really keep to a theme here, ad ad nauseum. But yeah, you know, picking up on what you said before, Daniel, about, you know, the title junk fees and labeling it that, you know, everyone kind of has a sense for what junk fees are, but there isn't, you know, legal definition for it, at least as of yet. It's kind of more just a term in the, the common vernacular as a thing that people really don't like. So, you know, the FTC had to figure out a way to kind of get at what is a junk fee. And the way it went about defining it is that basically any advertisement that includes an amount the customer must pay has to also include the total price. And the total price is basically meant to include those junk fees. And what are they? They're all mandatory fees or charges. You know, exactly how that's going to get cut down and you know, detailed is something that I think the commons will have to get into and we'll see if the FTC makes changes on it. But what we do know is that it excludes shipping charges and government fees, at least as of now. So, you know, if you're going back to our concert ticket example, if you're going to a show and the site you're using always imposes a $10 booking fee of some kind, 
then under this rule, if it were finalized, they would have to include that $10 fee upfront in the price. And kind of an interesting tweak on it, it doesn't have to be the only price, but it has to be more prominent than any other price disclosed, which, you know, I think effectively leads to the same result. But, you know, that is a straightforward example. It's likely there's going to be a lot of other ones that kind of test the limits of the language that the FTC included here. And I expect we'll see some of that in the comments as they start rolling out. So, Jack, they put out a proposal for notice and comment on whether to write a rule at all on junk fees. And they did get a lot of comments and you know, dutifully went through them all or said they went through them all. Given that they went through a pretty broad notice and comment on just whether to write a junk fees rule at all, do you think that the current notice and comment period for comments on the proposed rule will be more streamlined? So I think this is where the comments get really serious. You know, once the agency puts out a proposed rule and companies and industries start looking at the rule and realizing the breadth of, of what it would do to their industry, I do think this is when the serious comment starts, the impact on industry, the effect on what this rule would do to how companies advertise their prices. It is, you know, when you look at sort of the concept and the FTC issuing a rule on how pricing happens in the marketplace, that is a really big deal. And it is a broad rule that would cover at the moment, virtually every industry. So I think I wouldn't call these comments as likely to be streamlined. I think they're going to be uh, very robust. And I think the FTC is probably going to have to have some formal hearings down the road on all the comments that are raised here. Interesting. Well, I mean, this is, in fact, an enormous change, and it would dramatically alter how pricing is advertised or depicted in this country. Yeah, 100%. I didn't mean to bury the lead on that at all, Amy. It's really a focus across the board right now. So, Sir? You're just less of a drama queen than I am. <laughs> well, I didn't say that, but I will gracefully move on to the next topic. It really is a focus everywhere right now, this kind of junk fees. It's something policymakers, I think, hear that constituents care about and also know could be kind of a, an easy win for them, like Daniel alluded to before. When California actually just enacted legislation on this exact same topic that goes into effect next June, I believe. And that law really is very similar to the FTC's overall. But, you know, I mentioned that the FTC's doesn't actually require that the only price be the total price, California does do that. It says if you're disclosing a price, then it's got to basically be that total price and include all mandatory fees. You know, again, we're looking kind of at mandatory fees as the test with exemptions for government imposed fees and shipping. And that's got to be, you know, postal carriage shipping. They don't want you getting cute kind of with what shipping is. California, though, they did include exemptions for financial entities and food delivery platforms. And that's something that we expect to be a focus of the comments. You know, the FTC even included some particular request for comments on those issues. You know, should they narrow that rule to make it applicable to, you know, kind of the most egregious platforms, the ticket of vendors and resort fees of the world, or should it be a broader rule? So, you know, that's something we can kind of see a preview of in California, the fact that they do include exemptions from their law. You know, maybe that's something the FTC will do too. Yeah. So the FTC does uh, have an exemption for auto dealers in connection with the rulemaking on auto dealers that the FTC is doing. But I'm going to guess that you're going to see a lot of comments from a lot of industries explaining why that industry should not be covered by this rule, because it might be covered by other 
pricing laws that are out there. So I think that's going to be a robust source of comments. The other thing that sort of strikes me is, you know, when the FTC talks about the shipping fee, you know, they're making it clear you can't just put all these other fees and call them a shipping fee to get out of this. But they are saying that the shipping fee should be the actual shipping costs. And I think that has the potential to raise some issues. I think, you know, how precise do we have to be in terms of the actual cost on shipping when we're putting this together? And of course, that can vary. So like, I think this proposal raises all sorts of questions and certainly is going to be hotly debated. That is so actual cost. Does that mean the amount that a shipper pays to UPS literally? I mean, that, wow. An excellent question. Something that maybe folks would want to comment on that. Look, the states have gotten into this game before, and there are some state cases that have been brought over shipping and handling. But typically, these are in really extreme cases like uh, buy one, get one free. But the second free product, they triple or quadruple the shipping and handling for. So they're out there, but they're fairly rare. We've also seen some class action demands over what I would say are really excessive upcharges called shipping and handling fees. But Look, I want to come back to as you know, we've been following the agency for years on pricing matters and everything else. And this to me seems like a really huge shift and including especially in how the FTC is approaching its relationship with disclosing fees. Yeah, you're totally right, Amy. Look, for quite a while, like the FTC attitude has been, look, if the fees are adequately disclosed, charge what you want. I mean, that has been the general philosophy, as long as we're adequately disclosed. And that's very important. But we have seen some movement on the FTC on this issue, you know, in the past decade. In 2012, the FTC held a a workshop on the economics of drip pricing. And in 2017, and this was really interesting, the FTC put out one of their economists had done a, a report and analysis on resort fees, focusing specifically on them. And there was some pretty strong language in that report raising concerns that that when you separate sort of mandatory resort fees from posted room rates, it makes it harder for consumers to uh, comparison shop and can cause consumer harm. So again, the FTC has been talking about this issue for a while, but a huge difference between talking about it and starting to promulgate a rule. Right. Well, and that the idea was as long as the pricing is disclosed before consumers check out. So I think there was a focus, as long as it was prominent, it was clear, it was in the shopping cart, that that would pass muster. Something like you couldn't wait till someone checked into a hotel. It would pass muster, but there were always concerns that it made comparison shopping harder. I mean, if you're on a website and they're saying it's $200 a night, but you don't find out about the $50 fee until towards the very end, you know, it makes it harder to look at another website and figure it out. It's just a complicating factor for Mm -hmm. healthy consumer behavior, for lack of a better word. Well, the last time I looked, facilitating price comparisons was not a requirement of Section 5. But That is true. (laughs) Who am I? Who am I to? You know, one thing, just a complete side note, I find it interesting that the, the drip pricing, that was the only thing I ever remember coming out of the Bureau of Economics, which is typically a bureau that really provides support for the Competition Bureau and the Consumer Protection Bureau. And you were there at the time. Was that scandalous at all? Oh, we get a long conversation on the sort of interaction between the Bureau of Consumer Protection and the Bureau of Economics. But, you know, they do independent research. There's some really interesting studies and reports that BE has done over the years. But you're right. You don't see them popping up too often to sort of opine on these issues. So it, mm-hmm. it is a little bit of a rarity, but they do a lot of work behind the scenes and do sometimes do public events and publish sort of significant papers on consumer protection issues. 
All right, we're going to scratch into that on a future episode of Ad Nauseum. But, I mean, there is some history here. There have been, certainly, they're kind of old-timey. I've dealt with them. The states implemented a bunch of laws decades ago related to rental cars and the kinds of fees that were added, mandatory fees that were added to rental car prices. I do find it kind of ironic that government fees, you know, The government can charge a massive concession fee, but that's okay. But any of those kind of extra fuel charges that are automatically tacked on have been the subject of some state laws. And of course, you know, this is one where Europe is ahead of us. There are laws overseas that specifically relate to ticket resale and have that what they call all-in pricing that is a requirement to show up front, like, like Jack had indicated, is likely going to be required here. Yeah, look, it's hard to predict where this rule is going to land at the end of the day, but there is a big focus on this issue, not just at the FTC, but in other parts of the federal government, as well as the president getting in on this issue. Yeah, I like that quote. You know, Biden said that we're tired of being played for suckers. So if that doesn't make a statement, I don't know what does. And of course, he called on Congress to act in that same State of the Union address where he said that, but we haven't seen that develop yet. So the FTC has taken up the reins. Oh, shucks. Joe referring to suckers. Okay. Well, look, we also can't ignore the recent cases we've seen about restaurant delivery fees. Yeah, we've really seen a spate of these cases, both in the class action bar and state and district of Columbia enforcement getting in on it. Here in D.C., we had a case against a large food delivery platform. One of the issues was that these companies advertise delivery fees and they say maybe zero dollar delivery fee or what the delivery fee will be. And the theory of enforcement was that consumers then think, oh, okay, that is the fee. There's not going to be other, you know, delivery fees effectively, a service fee that's only applied for delivery. But there were. And that was the DC AG action focused on that issue partly. There's also been focus in class action cases on whether the taxes and fees are really disclosed at checkout, if people know what the fees are that they're paying for, if the menu price of fees are higher for delivery than they are at the restaurant. So if you go in, then you would pay $8 for a burger, but it's $12 on the delivery platform. Then, you know, there's been class action cases and state enforcement on whether that should be disclosed and city enforcement. You know, Chicago's had a couple of these cases too. Yeah, it's really an issue that's been popping up and not just kind of in the policymaking area like this, but also in and through some enforcement examples. Well, if this rule staves off a bunch of different local and state laws, that might be actually a very good thing. And so I will cross over into being a glasses half full gal on this too. But let's finish up by thinking about what should folks do now? I think it's very clear from this discussion that comment if you have stuff to say. This is a really important time to be heard. Now, I think the dates have not been given to us yet as to when the 60-day period will start and end. But when it comes, 60 days is here and gone pretty quickly. Now, we know sometimes the FTC extends the time for comments. We can't count on that here. I mean, Daniel opined maybe there'll be some investigative hearings, but I think people have got to get in and got to get early. And it's also a good time to start taking a close look at when and how you disclose fees. You got to get ahead of this. Maybe you don't need all-in pricing at this point, but seeing when shipping and handling and any other charges are first mentioned is key. And consider having information that allows people to compare different options rather than needing to put things in the cart to cross shop. 
And finally, if you're charging any fees that aren't typical in your industry, perhaps charging a restocking fee for returns or adding in an automatic tip or upcharge, pause there and consider when and how clearly this needs to be disclosed if it's something that consumers wouldn't naturally and automatically expect. But we do think this is going to be continue to be a next big thing in class action filings as well. Totally agree, Amy. And when you look at all the rulemaking the FTC is doing, I would absolutely put this rulemaking towards the top of the list in terms of priorities and things they will want to move on quickly. And that about wraps it up here at Ad Nauseam, where there are no hidden fees and what you pay for is what you get. We charge people for this, right, Amy? We should, Daniel. We absolutely should. I'm expecting a check any day now, so... And Jack, thank you again for joining us. Ad nauseum is also a happier, brighter place. We have you with us. But please join us uh, in two weeks for another issue of Ad nauseum. Thank you, Amy, Daniel, and Jack. If you have any questions for Amy, Daniel, or Jack, their contact information is in the show notes. For more information on the latest developments in ad law, please visit our Ad Attorneys Law Blog at www.adtourneyslawblog.com. And check out all Ad Nauseam podcasts by subscribing to Baker Host wherever you get your podcasts. As always, thank you for listening to Baker Host. Comments heard on Baker Host are here for informational purposes and should not be construed as legal advice regarding any specific facts or circumstances. Listeners should not act upon the information provided on Baker Host without first consulting a lawyer directly. The opinions expressed on Baker Host are those of participants appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect those of the firm. For more information about our practices and experience, please visit bakerhosts.com.